We can start making our way to our seats. Want to wish a happy Mother's Day to all of our mommies in the house. Let's give it up for them. Thank you, Lord. I'm very excited to have my wife, wonderful mommy, and my actual mommy here, and my wonderful sister, who's a great mommy. She's like, CG, last year you didn't even recognize me. I'm like, no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just so grateful to be around some wonderful moms and have such a great influence in my life. We'd like to welcome all of you who are watching us at home. So glad you were able to join us this morning. Be praying for our pastor and his family. They're out vacationing and having a wonderful time up at Dollywood and in the Gatlinburg area. So pray for their protection this week as they get to spend some time away with Grady's parents and just have a good, wonderful time together. I have a couple of announcements real brief. Uh, There's no prayer this afternoon at 4.30. That's been canceled. Um, So we're moving on to the next one. So no prayer tonight at 4.30. And just another reminder, we got a few weeks left for the Wednesday evening gatherings, about three weeks left for the adult Bible studies for the kids club. The teenagers, though, the youth group will continue to meet on Wednesdays, even going into June. But just want to let you know, we have three more weeks uh, through the end of May. Uh, so you can still come and join if you just want to connect a little bit with some of the small groups at 6 p.m. on Wednesday nights. We have two uh, announcements we're going to have made, one by Mr. Kyle Watley. Come on up, Mr. Nephew. He's one of our great drummers. All right, shameless plug, happy Mother's Day, Mom. Well, I got the the mic. Yeah, yeah, my name's Kyle Wiley. My wife's in the nursery. Um, We're going to start a new life group. We kind of had a soft opening the last few weeks, but a lot of families have been sick or out of town, so we're going to officially start again this next coming Sunday. Um... When we first started having a family, we joined a life group, and it was spiritually life-changing. Um, being able to share community with everybody, not just a Sunday morning, quick, how are you? I'm good. Can you lie to one another? You know. Um, so we're going to do that and just discuss the past Sunday's sermon um, and just get to know people and pray and love on each other. And then the other aspect will be maybe once a month, maybe every five or six weeks, somewhere in that time frame, a community outreach project, uh, some kind of... Um, mission outreach um, so if anybody has ideas we'd love to hear them um, it can be anything from simple like community car washes to a food drive anything to help um, our local community you know uh, hear the hear the gospel um, we've got small kids so if you do have children bring them on if not you're welcome as well but we want to serve alongside families and children so that they can see what the true you know church body can do for people out there so uh, if you have any questions, you can come see me. I sit up front here after the service, and uh, we'd love to have you. So. Be praying for Kyle. And Kyle's one of our deacons. was just elected a few weeks ago. So he's got a real heart for miss, miss, missions and real excited about this group. One more announcement. Miss Missy Cruz is going to come up and let you know about an opportunity for the ladies to get together. Good morning. We are sick of the men. <laughs> Amen. Backpack, backpack. Anyway, (laughs) just kidding, but we really are. Um, So we're going to have a women's luncheon to talk about women's ministry and what we can do. We may even go backpacking, but we do want to invite everybody. Don't laugh, guys. We can backpack. It just might be to get a pedicure. (laughs) We can carry a backpack. But anyway, ladies, you should have received an email from... Uh, Grady that went out earlier about the luncheon 
Whether you're able to attend in a couple weeks or not, it'll be a lunch right after church uh, to talk about ladies' ministry. But um, <laughs> um, there's a survey that we would like for you to fill out, even if you're unable to attend, because we want to know the interest and what we can put together. And this is just to get together, talk about ideas, where people feel led to serve, as well as things you'd like to see happening. So we can make announcements every week. But anyway, <laughs> but we really do want you to fill out the survey. That's the most important thing. And then register uh, for, for now. The luncheon is for age 17 and up. Um, we will have some fun family things probably thrown in, but we want to just really have a discussion of what our vision would be for women's ministry in the church. So we do it. Hope that you'll go ahead and fill out the survey and register to attend because we will have some fun. Thank you, Missy. I don't backpack, just so you know. You can tell. All right. Well, let us stand and prepare our hearts before the Lord to worship him in song. And you guys ready to hear the best news on the planet? Why we're in this room. Just wanted us to be encouraged again and recognize why we're here and why we celebrate and why we worship. Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, of the, new, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And now the two best words in scripture. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Let's worship the one who has made us alive in him. Sing to the God who always makes a way. 
gave up on that cross, that he rose up from that grave. My God still rose the stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. Shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is sure in this place. We won't be quiet. Shout out your praise. next song this song is called the song of Moses and I just want to go to scripture where this is taken from uh, Aaron Keys is a guy who wrote this song and we see in uh, Exodus chapter 15 so leading up to this this is where the Israelites were being led out of Egypt Moses was leading them they come to the Red Sea and all they can see around them is water they have nowhere to go and God tells Moses go take your staff put it at the sea, spread the sea, we're going to walk across on dry, he's going to deliver them. So this has happened, the Red Sea's been parted, the Israelites walk across on dry land, they get to the other side, and then God closes the waters and destroys the Egyptian army, just unleashes his wrath on them and destroys them. And then after that, this is the song of Moses that is written in Exodus 15, it says, and you can follow along on the, the screen with us, it says, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. 
In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard. They trembled. Pains have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the lords of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord will reign forever and ever. So they sing this song after they've been delivered of God just unleashing them. And then we look through, and as we've been looking this past couple of weeks on the church and just what the church is and how we look at our, today we'll look at our role in the church and just looking at the church as God's bride. The church was purchased by God on the cross. The church is those who believe. And then in Revelation chapter 15, we see that at the end of days, in Revelation chapter 15, we see this song of Moses again. And it's a song that we will be singing one day in heaven. It says, then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last for with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast in its image, and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. So we're going to just teach you this song this morning, the song of Moses, as we look in that in scripture, and this God is our redeemer, and he's a man who fights on our behalf. He is the warrior who fights for those that he has purchased. Highest praise to him belong, Christ the Lord, the conquering King. Your name we raise, your triumph sing. Praise the Lord, our mighty warrior. Praise the Lord, the glorious one. By his hand we stand in Thank you. 
It's a lie that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a lie and forever lifted high. Your name cannot be
we know what you see and what we see, our move should be to surrender and to worship you. So Lord, we do that this morning in praying for the Gateway Youth. And Lord, as they go into the summer months and are finishing up the school year, Lord, we just pray that you would call them to you, that bring the word to their hearts, may it bear fruit in their hearts. And we pray for the leaders that work so diligently uh, to love and to care for our youth. Lord, give them strength and encouragement as they continue to stand in the gap. Lord, we pray for the Hopes Ministry, and we're thankful for the opportunity to serve the teachers of Capitol Heights this week and for those people that took the initiative to lead out there. We ask uh, that you would bless those teachers and the administrators at that school, that you would bless the parents and the children as they labor, Lord, to do well in educating and to giving the next generation uh, the tools they need to thrive. Lord, we just ask for your blessing on them as they finish up uh, what's been a long school year. And Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity to pray for other pastors in our community. And we pray for Pastor Josh Wooten at Eastern Hills Baptist Church. Give him strength as he continues to serve that community. And we pray for Pastor Mark in Haiti, and we are grateful for the partnership we have with him. And as he continues to work in the mountains, continue uh, to help him grow uh, the faith there in the people and as you're working to share the gospel through him as they serve people with food and with discipleship will continue to work and give them strength to, uh, for endurance and for global missions God we are thankful uh, that your kingdom that's not shaken includes the whole earth and in places that are where it's much harder uh, God to to love and to serve you openly and we pray for two particular sisters in Calcutta India who weren't ready to be baptized, but they faced opposition from their father, who's a Hindu priest who strongly opposes following you. Lord, we know that it costs for those people to come to faith in you. And we pray that you would give them strength, give them encouragement and show them what it means to love and to serve you and the blessings that you will give them on the other side of that cost and the assurance of faith in the kingdom that cannot be shaken. Lord, we're thankful to give in response to your calling to do to provide for your work to continue to go forward and we pray that you would bless our hearts that we would become cheerful givers not out of obligation but because you have called us to give lord we pray that you would work on our hearts to do this and finally for cj this morning as he comes to share his message with us the message that you have given him that you have led him to this week we just pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive it we ask all this in jesus name Amen. Can we thank and give a hand to our worship team? Can you guys? <laughs> Sorry, I got to take this off just in case. Sorry, Justin. <laughs> up here just in case yeah we are uh, every week i just am so grateful for our team and i say this often when i'm up here but for a church our size you guys we are really 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 blessed to have so many that are gifted in music and worship and so just very grateful for them and all those that are on the team your hard work and all that you do we're just very grateful to the lord so you guys enjoying a sweet time with the lord this morning come on guys we, this is a fun time we're the body of Christ celebrating together. We've been learning the past few weeks about the church and who we are and coming here to acknowledge God and worship him and 
acknowledge who he is in our lives and doing it together as family. And so past couple of weeks, uh, we're coming to the end of our three-week little series that we've done through the Rooted series on what is the church. And uh, so I have an opportunity this morning just to encourage you. I'm going to be your cheerleader Woo-hoo! this morning to get you pumped up and to reorient you and to remind you. A lot of things you're going to hear this morning, not going to be new, but how many times we know in our life we just need to be reminded of some foundational things about who we are and what God has called us to and the privilege and the blessing that it is that we get to be in this room together and we get to co-labor together for the gospel. So let me catch my breath. I did a little more over there for me than I wanted to. Um, this is, pray for me. This is the first time I stood to preach in over a year because of my heart. And so I'm going to let the Lord take its course and just trust him in it. That's why I got this here just in case. Because um, <laughs> those that know me, I'm Italian. And when I get going, I can get going. And this helps keep me a little balanced. But So anyway, past couple of weeks, it's been great. We're going to reiterate a couple of things um, from the past couple of weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, Grady talked to us about what is the church. And he did a great job describing that and clarifying that for us. And his answer for that was, we are God's sovereign plan for uniting his people together with Jesus as their Lord. The church is God's sovereign plan for uniting his people together with Jesus as their Lord. And last week he talked about what is the purpose of the church. And there's so much, even this morning, that we can get into, and even about the purpose of the church. But he just brought it down to, funneled it down to the primary purpose of who we are and why we are who we are is to make disciples of all the nations. Guys, it all comes back to us being salt and light and taking the gospel to advance the kingdom to the nations. So we're going to kind of open up that a little bit more this morning and kind of bring some practical feet to it on how we do that and what God has called us to. And there's so much we could talk about our role in the church. But I just felt like I was praying this week and asking the Holy Spirit to kind of, again, funnel it down to just a couple points that are so important of our role and what God has called us to among the church. So I love the fact when our leadership said the title's good, what is our role in the church? I'm just like, well, let me define what the word role means. (laughs) It's a good start, right? If it's going to be what is our role, let's just look at that. And I just, I have not read this definition. I can't tell you the last time that I actually read the definition of the word role, but it was so perfect. So the word role is defined as an expected behavior pattern determined by an individual status or position in a particular society. Isn't that so fitting? I mean, that's exactly what, we're, what we've been called to. It's an expected behavior pattern that is determined how we behave, how we act, our behavior that is determined by us having a position in a particular society. And for us, that is the church. The church is described in so many ways throughout Scripture. These are all sermons in and of themselves. We are the body of Christ. This morning, Justin read something that we are the bride of Christ. We are the household of God, the family of God. We are citizens and ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And Peter talks about it. We're the chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So we're going to look at what is our role in the midst of all this. We are all those things, not just one. We are all those things. So what does the Lord require of us and what does he expect or what is his desire for us as his body, as his bride, as his citizens of his kingdom? So the first and foremost, the primary role that we have within the body of Christ, our primary first initial behavior is to cultivate unity. And this goes to the very heart of who God is. We are to cultivate unity. Um, This morning, I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Version, so it'll be up on the screen. 
But um, that's the translation I like to use when I study in my old trusty had it forever Bible. So here's Jesus' heart, his pastoral, his prayer to the Father. Coming out of the uh, Lord's Supper, coming out of the upper room, this was Jesus' heart's cry. He could have prayed anything to his Father at that moment, coming out of that. But just hear God's heart, hear the heart of Christ and his desire for us. In John 17, 1 and 2, I'm just going to read this to start it. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you have given him the Son authority over all flesh, and here it is, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. So the rest of this prayer, the rest of the heart of Jesus here, is talking to his Father about all whom he has given him. And now he elaborates on this even more from verses 17 through 23, and these will be on the screen now. So John 17, verses 17 through 23. So here's Jesus' cry to the Father. Sanctify them in the truth. The them is the all. So the all that the Father has given Jesus, that is the them he is talking about. Sanctify them in the truth, for your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. And here it is, verse 23. That they may all, the them that God has given them, they all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, there's the word, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. So this is the heart of Christ. This is the heart of Jesus for his bride, for his church, for those that the Father has given, those of us in this room that have placed our faith and trust in him, who have acknowledged him as Lord, that have recognized that we're sinners needing a Savior, saved by grace, that we can put our faith and trust in him. These are the ones, we're the ones he's praying for here, that we be one, and the, why, the big why. Why does he de desire for us to be perfected in unity? So that the world may believe that you sent me. Unity is God's desire so that the world may see the glory of God in us and through us and believe. That is God's hearts for unity. And he cultivates unities in two ways. Two ways. We cultivate unity as we are united in truth. First off, we cultivate unity among us as we are united in truth. And that's what we're doing during the city. That's why we come every week Amen. here <laughs> to unite ourselves in truth through the authority of God's word, to, to talk about sound doctrine, principles, and truths. And that's what this series about rooted is. This past year, we've been wanting to get rooted together in unity to get on the same page of what we believe, why we believe it, who God is, who we are in him. And as Grady's talked about over the years, the, there's primary and secondary and tertiary issues that we need to deal with, but we want to be united in this truth, in unity. The second part, we cultivate unity, not just to be united in truth, we cultivate unity as we are united in purpose. And as Jesus just declared in the midst of this, our purpose, our drive primarily that overarchs everything, as we know, is God's glory. That we do everything to advance the kingdom of God, to promote, to defend the ideals, the values, the principles of God's governance. 
governance. We are here every week to advance the rule and reign of God. We are here every week to be encouraged so that we advance and prioritize and defend the supremacy of Christ over all things. So this is how cult, uh, unity is cultivated through truth and purpose together. And we see this played out in the New Testament in the beginning through the birth of the church. This unity begins in Acts that we see it clearly. Once Christ has been ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit has come at Pentecost and Peter comes out in the little flames and he comes out for the first time, normally he has a foot in the mouth. <laughs> we know Peter's foot in the mouth disease most of the time. But the first time Peter walks out when he's filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit, he brings a passionate sermon. He brings truth. Thousands come to faith because the Holy Spirit shows up and brings conviction. Hearts are changed. The first giant baptism event in the history of the world. Thousands are baptized. And out of that moment, you can imagine them all coming out of the water. They're all wet going, what do we do next? <laughs> Think about it. Thousands of people from all over the world. And they're all together, they're wet, looking at each other for one purpose and one cause, the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's why they're there. And out of this, in Acts 4.32, 4, Acts 4.32, it says, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. What's that one heart and soul? Why would they, Luke say it that way? Because they were in one heart and soul that Jesus is Lord, <laughs> that Jesus is God, Jesus is who he says he was. And all the things that Peter said about his redemption and why he came to forgive sinners, they believed that to be true. So that's the foundation and the core that the early church was in unity about. And from that point on, they had to cultivate that amongst themselves and take it to the world. So how is the church, as Jesus said in John 17, how are we to be perfected in unity? How we, and that word perfected means to be made complete. How are we as the church to be made complete in unity from this point, and especially the church at this time. Well, it goes to one of my favorite verses that's very convicting, but this perfection being made complete is a part of our sanctification process. It's a part of God making us conform to the image of Jesus, making us holy, more like him. And so we go to Philippians 2, very familiar passage, but this is how the Holy Spirit perfects us in unity through the sanctification Paul says here to the church in Philippi, to Christians, therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, Paul says, make my joy complete. How? He's saying, here's how you can make my joy complete. Someone who's given their life to you as a papa in the Spirit, who has sown into you, who loves you, who has prayed for you, who has taught you. Make my joy complete in this way, by being of the same mind, Maintaining the same love, here it is, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Just reiterating the heart of Jesus. Same mind, same love, united in spirit, intent on purpose. What is that? Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. I'm going to let that sink in a second. I mean, I love those two verses, but ooh, they're tough to read a lot, aren't they? Because it goes against the very core of our humanness, our nature, our flesh. But this is at the heart of our unity, you guys. With humility of mind, we look at each other in this room and we value each other more than ourselves. 
We look at each other, and I love how Paul puts it this way. He could have explained it anyways, but he says, I want you to look out for the interest of others. That doesn't just mean you sit back and, hey, if people pass by you, you're kind of like, okay, I'll keep an eye on that one, or like we do sometimes, like to sit in a mall or a music park and just watch people, right? What this is saying is we are to be proactive, like watchmen on a wall. We are to be looking out. That's a proactive and initiative to say, I'm going to look out for the interests of my brothers and sisters. I'm going to look out purposefully for your interest, what is for your good, for your best, for the sake of the kingdom. And obviously we get that because Jesus is our perfect example of that. Jesus was our example, and that's why after what I just read, I'm just going to read this to you, verses 5 through 8 of that same chapter as in Philippians. Paul says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taken on the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The perfect example of humility, of giving of himself, of coming in the form of his creation. And so we just look to Jesus to see what true biblical humility looks like. And that is why Paul was able to say this, that we ourselves to do, should do the same thing proactively. So biblical unity that we need to cultivate only comes, true biblical humility only comes through humility, only through looking to the benefit of others. How many times over the course of history we've seen bad unity, right? There is another side of unity. <laughs> unity can still happen in a very powerful way, but be evil and horrible. I mean, we won't even get into some of the world wars and Holocaust and all these other things where people were unified under an evil cause. And then, guys, this goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel, right? Was the world unified at that time? Absolutely. But for what purpose? Their own pride? They were unified in pride. We're going to build this tower to the Lord and try to reach him because we can. <laughs> that was unity. So for all of us in this room, as we're the family of God and the body of Christ, living together, working together, we are to be unified in the right way, and that comes through humility, submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Paul encouraged the church in Ephesus in the same way. In Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, Paul says here, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, it's very key, I implore you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity, there's the word, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So look what Paul's encouraging the church in Ephesus. Again, other Christians, you could almost put, I implore you to walk in this role, <laughs> As the church in Ephesus, walk in this manner. There's an expectation. Here's a behavioral pattern. I'm encouraging you to walk in. And guys, what is our calling? Unity. <laughs> That's what we have been called to. Just the Christ's prayer in John 17, that as we are unified, as we are one, the glory of God will be revealed. The world will see and know that I am real. And as he says here, with gentleness, with humility, with patience. So how do we do that? As Paul encourages the church there, walk in a manner in this way, with humility and gentleness and patience. This helps us cultivate unity. And number two, the way we do that, our role in the church is to exercise our gifts. We are to exercise our gifts. And guys, these are all sermons in and amongst themselves. But again, just to encourage you guys in this as a good reminder for us. 
And again, I know majority in this room are doing this. So hear me, this is to encourage as a cheerleader to say, I affirm and I've seen it. We as a leadership have seen it, but it's just as a reminder for some that maybe have you know, not been doing this or thinking about it. Maybe it's been off your radar for a while. But which I just want to affirm, I know these things are happening in our body and in our community with you. But in Romans 12, very familiar passage. This is the first list of the gifts. The, many call these the motivational gifts that we are the body have been given. It says, for just as we have many members, we're in Romans 12, verses 4 through 6. And Grady mentioned this briefly a couple weeks ago. We have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to each of us, here it is, Paul's encouraging the church in Rome, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. It's one reason I like the translation of the American Standard with this. They emphasize this in the Greek, that we are to exercise our gifts accordingly. And then obviously, I'm not going to get into the other ones, but that list that is not all of them, but just Holy Spirit has given uh, Paul wisdom to write this, that they are the gifts of prophecy and service and teaching, exhortation and encouragement, giving, leadership and mercy. We are to regularly, what that exercise means, regularly use them. This is a part of us working out our salvation. And guys, just like we physically go to the gym, which you can tell I haven't been in a while, but... Um, as we work out our salvation and we exercise physically, it's exactly the same expectation that we are to do with our spiritual gifts, the abilities and the talents that God's given us. There's no option, guys, in us not recognizing that we are in the game to use and exercise what God has given us, okay? And this is encouraging. This is awesome. It's like God has given us the ability to do this. These are called gifts of grace. And like I said, this is a whole no these could be sermon after sermon after sermon. So for me to really go whoop with this is very difficult but these are gifts given to us by god we i literally call them this is our dna gifts our spiritual dna gifts these are gifts that god gives us from day one at birth it's just in us i don't sit back and go okay i'm just going to do teaching today or maybe i'll be merciful or maybe you know it's in us it's innate god puts this within us from the beginning and over time as we grow and have experiences we get to cultivate these and they start coming out of us Really brief, when I met Nikki back at YWAM, we were doing missionary work. And during the time frame, I was falling in love, you know, watching. I watched her life. We watched each other's life. And that's what you do. So as I got to know her and got to see her encounter other people on our base or when we would travel or go to New Orleans, do mission trips, or I would watch her before we ever started dating. When I just saw there was an interest, I saw the character in her and saw the type of woman she was and she worked with the young kids, and so I was like, ooh, mommy type stuff. You know, that's good, you know, and just saw this nurturing in her. But guys, that's what we are to do with the body of Christ. We are to watch each other, and that's when these gifts start to manifest in our daily lives, in our experiences. And so once I started watching her, I started to see, oh, she has the gift of service. She has, the, she has a gift of encouragement. You know, she certainly has a gift of prophecy. Oh, Lord Jesus. And if anybody has studied this gift, this is a gift where the, like a prop is very black and white, like, you know, lovingly. I love that about you because I have needed it for so many years. But I saw that side of her. She's one that just very stands for truth and justice and holiness. And so when situations in our lives would come up, boy, she would step in and boom, you know, that prophetic gift would come out. And we need that. 
Many of you in here have it. And all the, some of the husbands go, I know, amen, with my wife. But, the, but it takes time. But I want to encourage you, that if you haven't even, some of these you may not even know yourself. I mean, it doesn't matter your age or whatever. You may be like, I really don't know. First, if you're married, talk to your spouse. They will make you very clear on what your giftings are in a good way. With your children, same thing. I watched Casey and Haley and Joseph grow up, and Nikki and I used to always say, I wonder what giftings they're going to have. And you watch their life, and you see how the Holy Spirit starts to cultivate inside of them, and it starts coming out naturally. So whatever the Lord puts in you that's passionate and drives you and gives you such joy, that's what those gifts have to do with. And we all have them, okay? We all do. More than others, some you know, manifest a little bit differently, but these are for all of us. So those are the kind of the spiritual DNA gifts that we are to exercise. Another group that we're not going to get into a lot of details, but I love the, how the Holy Spirit reveals this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. These are referred to as the manifestational gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. And Paul says here to the church in Corinth, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, which is also activities, but the same God. And here it is. He who works all things in all persons, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the what? Common good. I want to just lay that. Your gifts, when the Holy Spirit shows up this way, are not for you. All that we're talking about here to cultivate unity in the body of Christ as we exercise our gifts are for each other. It's for others. For the common good of the body, for the common good of the family, for the common good of those that you do experience outside these walls, as you minister and evangelize, it's not for you. That goes back to Philippians 2, where we're constantly looking out for the interest of others, for the good of others, for the sake of the gospel. So I love this, that it's for the common good. Now, this specific group of giftings, again, many sermons, the, the gift of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, in verse 11, he clarifies, verse 11 of the same chapter, but one and the same, here it is, Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills, or you could put out there just as he determines. So this group of gifts are fun because you don't have to worry about thinking about these things. This is where the Holy Spirit at any time, because he resides in you, abides in you, empowers you, at any moment as he sees fit, according to what he wills or he determines, he comes and manifests himself in you and through you through these things for the common good of others. Isn't that cool? That's what he does. So the Holy Spirit will show up and we can exercise. And the reason I'm encouraging you with this is the DNA gifts, I'm giving you a little bit more thing, exercise those gifts you know you already have. These are ones where I just say, hey, be open. Lord, here's my hands, here's my feet, here's my mouth, here's my body. Do with it as you please. Amen. That's what those gifts have to do with. Holy Spirit, just have your way. Amen. At any moment in time, as I'm with my family, as I'm with the church, as I'm with school, if I'm at my job, if I'm with the unbelievers, if I'm ministering, if I'm evangelizing, at any moment you see fit, I'm available <laughs> for you to manifest your power through me. And that's the beauty of these gifts. Again, for the common good of others. So we need to exercise our gift. This is an absolute critical part of what God expects of us in our role within the church as his kids in the body of Christ. And guys, when, the, when we exercise our gifts, an amazing thing happens. And the, Grady mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Ephesians chapter 4. This verse is amazing. 
a couple of verses, verse 15 and 16. Paul says again to the church in Ephesus, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted together, sorry, between the, from the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, here it is, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Guys, when we think about all of us in this room, look around. Just do a little, I'm not going to have you talk to each other. Don't get a little weird out about that. But you look around, the diversity, the uniqueness, the ethnicities, the race, the genders. We're all so different and unique. This is the beauty of the creation of God, right? And we look around this room with backgrounds and experience and all these things. And the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of who we are as a church is that we can look around this room with all the diversity and know that only one person can bring unity in this room. And that's the person of Jesus and what the gospel brings. And that's what this verse shows, that all these different pieces, individual parts, individual parts working together, as Grady mentioned a couple weeks ago, how the body, the hand, the foot, the unless it all works together, functions together, the body's not whole, and it doesn't function the way it's supposed to. You have a part here locally at Gateway to function within this local body, for us to function as God sees fit for Gateway Baptist Church and then also for the regional church, for the broad church, for the body of Christ. When I thought about this verse years ago, I just thinking about, I was thinking about things being fitted together and held and joints and, you know, how the knee and all these things function, all this stuff. But it took me to thinking of a scientific word, and I don't know if it's the Lord or not, but it just fits perfectly. And it's like, that is so cool. What Holy Spirit is describing here in Ephesians 4 is spiritual fusion of the church. The word fusion, I mean, God invented it, it's his word. Fusion means a merging of diverse, distinct, or separate elements into a unified whole. I just love that. And looking around this room, I see spiritual fusion. This is what God does. I see diversity, this uniqueness, these distinctives, and then God, by his grace and his power and the gospel, brings us all together and fuses us together. And guess what? We cannot be pulled apart. And you know what fuses us? You know what's in between all this? The blood of Christ. The blood has done this for us. What he did at the cross has brought us together. And the beauty of the gospel is unity through diversity. And that's what we have the privilege of being a part of and the beauty of the church in this room. Last couple things. Whenever I think about our role in the church and exercising our gifts and our ability and our talents, um, and I've taught this in the past, the Lord always takes me to be reminded of and think about 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, where it says that we are to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's the only time I think it's mentioned in most of the New Testament when Paul references us as soldiers. So if Paul tells us to be good soldiers or tells Timothy, that means we're a part of a what? Army. And I love this example. It's just such a cool thing when you think about the body and I'm looking across this room and this is like a mini black ops team, you know. Within, it is here at Gateway. We're a part of a smaller black ops of the larger army of Christ. And the army of God is how big? It's global. And I just want to give a visual. I love this. So put this picture up. Thanks, Caden. I had to use it, dude. I've used this many times. 
this is my nephew Carson. He's right there, our bass player. And I'm like, this is us, guys. Sometimes I need this visual. We are the army of God. And we have been equipped and empowered. You have abilities and talents. And Carson, you know, got training as a Marine. And obviously you saw what he did as a mortal. But you even look around his belt. He's got all these other things. And I'm sure he's, I saw pictures when he went overseas to the Middle East with his machine guns and all this stuff. But guys, we have to recognize this is a part of who we are as the body of Christ. That's a cool thing. And we, it should encourage us and empower us to go, God, if we're in your army, then we need to know we have strategies. We need to pray. We know there's warfare. We know we're in the battles. But this is what God has equipped us to be. We have special, specific talents and abilities that God's going to use us amongst his army, amongst his black army. And here at Gateway, we have specific things he wants us to do for us to strategize through our leadership team, to advance the gospel, to advance the kingdom of God in this fight that we're in. Now, is the war won? It's over. <laughs> the war is over, but we do fight these many battles here and there, but the war is over. And this is just a good visual, and thank you, Carson, for years ago, sending that to me. But I just love that visual for us, that we can recognize that we're in this together and have a very special place. Last little thing, and I have to get this in because... I left it last because you're not going to like it very much. Um, so I didn't want you to be mad at me the whole rest of the sermon. Just kidding. I just had to say, I think the Lord gave this to me at the end, and it's just, a, just an encouragement. It's nothing like, woo. It's a very basic, fundamental thing, but it's very difficult to do. But I think it's absolutely vital to cultivate unity in the body of Christ and to enable us and equip us and help us to exercise our gifts, to walk out as God has called us, and that is very simply for all of us in this room to pursue accountability. To pursue accountability. And you might say, well, it's not a big thing or whatever, but oh yeah. And what I mean by this is, I think every one of us in the room have been given a mandate by God to get in each other's business. Amen. Serious, guys. And again, and that happens by what I just talked about. In what? humility, right? Looking out for the interests of another person. And this is the hardest thing. I've been around Christians my whole life. I've been raised in a pastor's home, done missions work, pastor in a church. I've been around a lot of folks. This is hard for folks to do. They'll say, oh, yeah, I'm accountable to my wife or vice versa, or, you know, then they'll just throw out some. I, I meet a guy once every blue moon, or I'm with this one small group of guys, and those are great things. And my first accountability partner is right there. Right? Amen? For a spouse? But it, it can't stop with her. That's not even biblical that I'm supposed to stop with her. I need you. I need other men in my life. And so for me, it's Seth Rodebeck. He's one of our elders here. I'll be very candid. He's, one of, he's my accountability brother. One of my best friends. And we get in each other's business. Why? To cultivate unity. Why? So that I'm able to exercise my gift and be encouraged and be able to share my struggles and my sin to laugh with him, to cry with him, to talk about our lives, to pray for our wives, to talk about our marriages, where we're failing, where we're doing well. Guys, that has to happen. Yeah. And I'm sorry, we can talk about it, I'll go have a cup of coffee, but that's what this book mandates, that we do that with each other. And it can happen with two or three, you can do that, but I promise you, I encourage you, men and women, find you someone to invest your life in and vice versa that you can humble yourself before that you can build unity with, that you can confess stuff to, that you can get in each other's life. We all need it desperately. And I think start to finish, 
But the whole of Scripture, that is what God intends for us. Now, he wants it for level levels of Bible study groups and men here and women there. Absolutely. Nikki has a core group of girls. They get together and have dinner and coffees and that kind of thing. And that's wonderful. And I am talking about that type of accountability as well. But I'm telling you, there is nothing like, and you know many of you have experienced, the one-on-one. We are never, as Grady said a couple weeks ago, we are never, this book never condones isolation. This book never condones that we're to live apart from the body and community, the ecclesia, the assembling together. And the assembly can be big, the assembly can be two or three, or the assembly can be one-on-one, right? That all fits. Oh, I can tell I'm glad I left it at the end. <laughs> Just kidding. But guys, I have it. I mean, I, I wouldn't, my life wouldn't be where it is without other men in my life getting in my business, loving me, encouraging me. And it's nothing all, all negative. I'm just saying opening yourself up in humility and swallowing our pride to say, I need you. Guys, we need each other. I need people beyond my wife to get in my life. I need men to speak to that. So I want to highly encourage you. I think it's all a part of this. What part of our role in this body is accountability among each other. It has to happen. So I, I just put that before you to please pray about that and ask the Holy Spirit. There's people in your lives right now I know that you go, I absolutely have someone I know I could go to right now. One-on-one or two or three. And I just encourage you, that is a part of this, of how we cultivate unity, to encourage one another, to be in each other's lives for the sake of the gospel and advancing the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. I know you believe it to be true. It's just hard right now to maybe go, hmm, okay. Because it comes against everything our flesh is, right? Let's be honest. It comes against our flesh. That we have to humble ourselves, be transparent, be vulnerable, to ask someone else to speak into our lives or vice versa. And get it. But I believe there's no, it's required of us. And it's the God's heart. That's how we are perfected in unity and being together. Coming in here one day a week for an hour and a half does not cut it. I'm, I love you guys. I'm a shepherd. I love you as my sheep, and that's a fact. One day a week is not what God desires of us to cultivate unity and be perfected in unity. We are to be together. And I'm not putting boundaries on what that means, but it's got to be beyond this morning, guys. So what God expects of us, he loves us, he desires this of us. And my life is better for it. I've seen it with my wife, my friend Seth, and other men that are in my life, the elders. Many of those men speak into my life. But I believe it's absolutely critical for us as we cultivate unity, provides opportunities for our gifts to be. A, and we get to use those gifts amongst each other, right? In conversation, counseling, serving each other, all those things. That's where it provides opportunity for that to come forth. So we need each other. We cannot live alone. We cannot isolate ourselves. We must be engaged with each other. So what is our role in the church? It's kind of going, whoop. Our role in the church is to cultivate unity by exercising our gifts in humility so we can serve and edify and equip and encourage one another. And here's the key, so that Jesus will be exalted among the nations. Guys, it all comes back to that. It all comes back to God's rule and reign being exalted and advanced, the gospel going forward. I look at the precious couple out there, you know, Ethan's here about to head overseas, be missionaries and to take the gospel to the nations and they're getting trained and just so encouraging to see. That's it. Now, again, we can reach the nations within this community. We can reach the nations by so many different ways. But that should be our heart's desire and drive to know that we cultivate unity, to exercise our gifts 
so that Jesus will be known and exalted and the kingdom advanced for the sake of the gospel. I was thinking about reading one more thing, but I'm going to pray. So please hear my heart, guys. I love you all. And this is just something the Lord gave, and it all ties together for us to pursue each other, encourage one another, be there for each other, recognize our need for each other to cultivate unity in our body. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for, God, just your heart. Lord, it's just so neat to clearly see what you desire for us. God, what a privilege it is to be in this room, to even be able to say Jesus is Lord, to be able to exalt you, to be able to encourage one another, to be here together as family, as your body, as your bride. And I just pray, Lord, for each of us that as we think about what we heard this morning and read, seeing and hearing your heart and how clear it is that we are to cultivate unity through humility and we do that by encouraging one another and exercising our gifts around each other, being open to you, leading us and guiding us, whether it's amongst each other here or out there in our community, as we share the gospel and we put the gospel on display, Lord, we just ask you to have your way with us. God, use us as you see fit. Holy Spirit, come. Use everything that you've given us, everything that you've been enabled us to do through our gifting, talents, and abilities for the sake of your glory. And God, I do pray for this local fellowship, for us here as a Gateway family, that we truly value each other. We look out for each other's interests. We recognize our need for one another. And that we would go out of our way proactively to start cultivating those relationships, to pursue accountability so that you can work in our lives in such a way that your glory will be revealed. And we thank you and praise you that you have called us to that and that you delight in that. In Jesus' name, amen.
my part why we're in this room thank you for the declaration of the gospel because of your shed blood because of your beautiful redeeming power you've reconciled us back to yourself lord and god thank you that as we recognize that acknowledge that this morning that because of your blood that we are unified in you and i pray that as we leave these this room today god that we are reminded and acknowledge god that we are called to be your ambassadors that we are in unity together we are to represent your kingdom well to take your gospel, to take your rule and reign outside these walls and manifest your glory to wherever we go. Thank you for the privilege that we get to do that, that we are your ambassadors to represent your kingdom, to be citizens of the kingdom of God, and that we can leave here to tell people about the beauty of your kingdom, the beauty of who you are, our king. Help us do that this week, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, through the gifts you've given us, through the relationships you've given us, that we have the beautiful, beautiful privilege of representing you. We thank you and praise you, God. Guide us by your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.